Hello, chefs. You're listening to Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. Today's episode is going to be on the sacrifices of chefs and cooks and people that work in the food and beverage industry and the things that we give up and talk about some of the challenges that we face. What does the future hold for us? Anyway, we'll get into all of that in this episode. Stay tuned. So let me give you an update. What have I been up to this past week? Actually, I've, I've been super busy. I just I finished writing the Line Cook Survival Manual, and I've started going going through and rereading, editing, correcting sentences and grammar, etc. Um, I'm going to give it maybe one or two more times to read it before I send it to an editor. Also working on the audio book. I've heard a couple of samples of the audio book. I really like the guy that does the audio books for me, Gabriel. He has a good voice. I. Um, <laughs> When I, t- I told him I wanted I wanted to sound young on the audiobook, so I said, you know, use your young voice. Anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. But the audiobook's coming along. I think it's maybe a week, maybe two weeks out. Most likely, the audiobook and the new paperback will also drop at the same time. Additionally, I'm working on Culinary Leadership Fundamentals video course. That is almost done. I've got to review one more video and then just work on a couple of digital edits, add branding, fonts, etc. But all those things are pretty close. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to El Paso, Texas to cook with some great chefs for a great cause. El Paso Family Meal. You've probably seen me posting on it, posting about it on social. Really amazing chefs. Great group of guys. Um, the founder, Rico Torres from Michelin Restaurant. Um, Gabe Morales, Fermin Nunes from Suerte. Omar Flores from Dallas, Jake Rojas, Alan Delgado, Andres Padilla. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good chefs that all come from El Paso, Texas, and um, we always said we want to cook together. You know, as we see each other at all these food festivals, whether it's you know Austin Food and Wine or whatever, and we always say, oh, we need to get together and cook. And so we have an opportunity to give back and you know give back to a good cause, help future chefs and culinarians. So we all come together, form like Voltron. Rico happens to be the head and we get together and we, we cook and we have a good time. We do meet and greets. And anyway, if you're in the El Paso area, you should definitely check that out. That's on November 13th, El Paso family meal. Anyway, that's what I'm coming up. That's what I'm working on anyway. So I want to talk about the sacrifices that we go through as cooks and chefs in this industry. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately and I had a DM message with a chef the other day and we were talking about changing careers and you know if you listen to this podcast you know that I've changed careers so you know I was a chef for 27 years I'm still a chef kind of I don't run a kitchen but uh, I'm still involved in the industry in many different ways I sit on a couple of different boards committees I organize events I still do chef consulting chef mentoring stuff like that and I bring you this podcast but it's not really running a kitchen anyway I was back and forth with this chef in the DMs. We were talking about changing careers, and um, you know he's a, he's in he's in his fifties. And we're talking about how it's difficult as you get older to still be a chef because it is such a physical sport, right? You're bending, you're crouching, you're moving, you're twisting, you're you're hustling, you're on your feet all day. And when you're young, you don't realize the damage sometimes that you're putting on your body until you know, until father time creeps in and you're like, oh shit, my, my back's been hurting for a number of years or my knees are starting to hurt. 
I think what I feel most right now, like if I think of, you know, the abuse that I put um, on my body in the kitchen, it's mostly my knees and my back. I have a, I also used to wrestle and, and uh, train MMA and, and fight amateur. So my knees and my back are kind of messed up from that, but it's also compounded by the fact that I've also you know, been in kitchens for so long. So I can't, when I, you know, in my house, when I go up the stairs, I'm like, shit, do I really, do I really want to go up the stairs? Because my fucking knees hurt. Right. So these are things that I have to think about, like, or, you know, my back, if I'm standing up all day and, you know, I wear a bib apron when I'm in the kitchen, it's like, ah, I constantly have to adjust. And, you know, my back's achy and, you know, if something falls, it's like, oh no, who's going to pick it up. Right. And, you know, shout out to my my longtime friend and, and uh, sous chef, Eric Martin, you know, I was like, no, 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 I got it. You got a bad back. I know you got a bad back. So, you know, it's an inside joke, but I appreciate that. Uh, some people would recognize that I have a bad, bad back. So if you know me in real life, right. Uh, some people say I walk funny, which I don't know what they're talking about, but like every now and again, I'd catch some of my sous chefs doing a walk and I'd be like, what was that? And they'd get really like, oh shit, did he see us? And I was like, what, what's so funny? And then someone told me, oh, they're making fun of how you walk. I was like, wait a minute, I walk funny. And they're like, yeah, you don't know that. I was like, no, of course I don't know. I walk funny. I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't walk in front of a mirror often. You guys see me walk. I see you walk. I don't see me walk but they make fun of the way I walk. I was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's because I have a bad back. So like my posture is kind of, you know, I'm always trying extra hard to make my back straight. Anyway, we were talking about as, as the years go by and you're in the industry, when you reach a certain point as a chef, it's like, what's next? Because you no longer have the desire, sometimes, you know, the, the physicality to continue to do the job but you've been in the industry your entire career and you really don't know anything else. And you're kind of at a crossroads. It's a difficult thing. I don't know the answer for it. I really don't know the answer for everybody. You know, do, do what, what else you like to, to do in your, in your free time. What are your hobbies? What are your passions? In my case, I like to write and, um, you know, I, I like to, to talk, I guess. That's why I have this podcast. So like, that's, that's where I transition. I was like, okay, I could create content. I want to pass on my knowledge from all the years of being a chef and I have a platform to do so. So let me take advantage of that and turn that into my new business. But not everyone has that opportunity. A lot of chefs, you know, don't like speaking to people or don't like teaching, but you know, they're, they're great in the kitchen. But when that time has come, what do you do next? These are things that I think when you're just starting out in the kitchen, you need to think about or kind of when you're in the middle of your career and it's like, I'm going to be a chef forever. I used to think to myself, I had a really hard time having conversations with people if it wasn't about kitchen life or about food. And this was probably up until you know my early 30s. Like You took me to a party. It's like, if we're not going to talk about food or cooking, like chef life all the way through, I can't talk about anything else. And it's like I had to start understanding how to have conversations about things other than food because food and being a chef was all consuming. And the reason I bring that up is because you have to find other interests because you're going to get to a point where, you know, you're going to look at it and be like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I want to stand on the pass for another 15, 20 years until I'm 60 years old because, because it's physical. And not only that, but when you've seen a lot of trends and food cycles come and go, you start to realize that it's not as important to be trendy. Uh, you just want to make good food, but you also understand that if you're not trendy, you're not going to get the recognition from the local food media or influencers or whatever. They're not going to come to your restaurant if they don't think it's, if it's cutting edge, but it could be delicious food, but it's not cutting edge. So you're not going to get the attention. So you're going to sacrifice 
what you think is good food because you're going to play the game. You're going to want to stay involved in the top level or you're not and you're going to not get the recognition. One of my friends that's a chef in California that uh, used to be my sous chef and he's a great guy. We were talking about it and he said, you know, we're the problem. And this was about 10 years ago. He says, we're the problem because we were those young, hungry chefs that were willing to do it for less money, right? So we'd take the head chef position for less money and push out these older chefs that had more experience and more wisdom because we would, we would do it for less and we were more physical and we could, you know, we could work longer hours and push harder, but we didn't have the knowledge, right? And he says, you know, these are the consequences of our actions. It's like this vicious cycle. You know, the, the older chefs move on, the newer chefs come in, and we go through the same, the same challenges that everyone faces. It's a, it's a difficult thing. There is another book that I wrote, and it was, um, you know, I wrote it in about 2008, and I never published it. And I'll, I'll share a little story with you. I, I wrote this book, and it was called The Tao of Chef. And... If, if you like to read a lot, I, I love to read. I read tons of books. There's books like the Tao Te Ching or um, the Xuanzu or the Analects by Confucius. Like I really like that style of Eastern philosophy, the style of writing, you know, the Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi or Sun Tzu's Art, and War, Art of War. I really like that sort of, you know, deep contemplation style of writing. But you got to really think about the meaning of this and what what is the author trying to get across. So anyway, long story short, I wrote a book called The Tao of Chef and it, I wanted it to be like like an allegory of life. And the allegory being like you start out as a young cook in culinary school, you don't know anything and you go through life. So you, you start to gain knowledge, you, you, you know nothing, you're green, but you're super confident when you're young. And then you know, you, you start to push back on the chef and then you become a sous chef and then you start to really gain knowledge and then you become a chef and you're successful. And then when you get really good as a chef, you start to realize you don't know anything and you look back on your career. It's like, whoa, all those years that I had so much pride and hubris in what I was doing and I really didn't know anything. And then you get to the point where you're kind of the dinosaur in the kitchen, right? People look at you and say, oh, you know, time's passed you by. And, and I closed the book where... The chef that I was writing about, you know, the character in the story, he finishes his career as the head chef in a retirement hold home, meaning not only is he cooking for old folks, but he was also an older chef who had achieved great fame and success, but he didn't know anything else. So it started like with this birth and it ended with, you know, the death cycle of a chef, right? Because, you know, your career is going to have a birth and death cycle. Like you start out in culinary school or your first job, and then you end with, you know, leaving the career and there's highs and lows in between. And when I look back on a career as a chef, you think about all the things that you exchange for your time, right? You exchange your your time for money or, or for energy, right? It's, it's usually an exchange of energy. You, I give my energy to you, right? And I'm going to give you my time and you're going to give me money or you're going to give me satisfaction in what I'm doing. And when you really want to push to high levels as a chef and you want greatness and you're, you're chasing that dream to become the head chef or you want to make a name for yourself, you give up a lot. You give up the holidays. You give up the weekends. You give up your friend's wedding. Sometimes you give up friends, right? You give up having a social life. Many chefs give up their marriage. They lose their families. They lose themselves to their vices, right? And you give so much to this industry and at the end of it, right, 
I often joke around. I say it's um, at the end of it, the industry that you were in love with replaces you with a new younger lover, right? That's that's what ends up happening, right? You you climb the ladder, you spend your whole time there, and then it's like, okay, the game has passed you by. Let's replace you with someone newer, younger, and hungrier. And that's the reality of it, right? Now, of course, there's exceptions to the rule. Some chefs, their legacies are cemented, right? You know, Escoffier, Paul Bocuse, you know, they're, they're going to be legends forever. They are like on the Mount Rushmore of chefs, but not everyone has that opportunity, right? You trade so much. A few years back, I was on the board of a culinary school and I would talk to students and I would ask them, and this is like, you know, maybe 10 years ago. So, you know, the, the priorities were a little bit different than they are now. I would talk to culinary students and I'd say, what do you want to do when you graduate? Why are you going to culinary schools? Like, I want to be on TV. I want to go on Hell's Kitchen. I want to be the next Food Network star. I want to open up my own restaurant. And they had a lot of these grand ideas of going to school and becoming, you know, the exception to the rule, the Bobby Flay, the Gordon Ramsay, or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying that those dreams cannot be achieved because clearly there's people that are examples of those dreams. But the reality is... For every successful chef that you see on TV, there's hundreds of thousands of them that you've never heard of, right? Millions, maybe. Millions for sure, not even maybe, right? Millions of chefs that you've never heard of for every chef that you have heard of and is a household name and how difficult that is and how many cooks never even make it to become chef. And I thought, you know, I'd like to make a documentary, so I'll I'll play out how the documentary would, would be. So it would start out with, the documentary starts out you're interviewing young students and you're asking them, why do you want to go to culinary school? I want to be a chef. I want to be the next Bobby Flay. I want to do this, that, and the other. I want to own my own restaurant, right? And then it skips to a real chef, right? That's been in the industry and the alarm's going off at four in the morning and they're eating cereal in their apartment by themselves, right? And then they're on the treadmill for a couple of hours. And then it goes back to the student and they, you know, all these ideas of what they want to do and then back to the chef and he's going in to work in a dark parking lot and he's cooking breakfast or whatever, right? And then back to the students with all these ambitions and then back to the chef who you're interviewing and you say, what have you given up for this career? And they talk about you know the divorce and losing their kids and being addicted to substance and this, that, and the other. And then back to the eager students. And just to show that the job isn't as glamorous as people may think. There's a lot that you have to give to this business strictly for the passion, strictly for the love of cooking, strictly because you thrive in that environment and there's a certain energy amongst the chaos in the kitchen, which is, it's a beautiful thing. I miss that chaos. I was watching The Bear. There's two movies, or I should say two things that I've seen that make me feel in the moment ever. One is the bear. The other one is the movie Sicario. There's a there's a scene in Sicario, the first one, where they're driving through neighborhoods that I used to hang out in and like there's like oh it's giving me anxiety. It's a that's a rough movie and it like took me back to the uh, took me back to the hood growing up. But anyway, the other the other one is the bear. And I remember I was watching the bear and it's the scene where the ticket printer um, stops printing tickets for some reason. They do whatever, and then it starts printing all these tickets, and then everyone's screaming and yelling, and there's chaos, and your heart's beating fast. And I know that feeling. 
and I'm there with them as I'm watching that. And I stood up and I'm pacing back and forth as I'm watching it in my living room. I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like I, I feel like I have to jump in and, and, you know, call the tickets myself. And it's the only time or the second time that I've like felt I was in that moment because there is a certain adrenaline rush that um, chefs get when they're working in the kitchen. And chefs will also work in the top end of kitchens. They want to be the best. You know, they want that three Michelin star world's 50 best environment and they're tough. They get there and it's like, mm, it's tougher than I thought, right? The hours are longer, right? The pay is a little less sometimes, or maybe you're not even getting paid. I don't know, depending on where you are, maybe you're working as a free stage. That's a whole, that's a conversation for a whole other episode, but maybe you're, maybe you're on a stage and then you get hired and then you're starting out in the Comey kitchen and then you're moving up to the line and you know, the sous chef is you know pushing you hard and you go home and you take some of your prep home because there's no way you could finish it at work. It's too much, but yet you can't say you're taking it home because you're not supposed to take your work home. Don't take the food, right? But you don't want to let the team down. You don't want to be seen as someone that can't handle it. And so it creates this pressure cooker environment and people want to be the best. So they push themselves and they go through this. And some people say, this is not for me. And they boom, they're, they bounce, they're out. Other people say, 100% you're not going to break me. And they continue on down the path of this to become a chef, to become a great chef. The thing is, is that everyone has a choice when you're in those kitchens. You, you could not be there. You could always choose to leave. No one's this isn't, you know, this isn't a situation where they have forced you to be there. You always have the opportunity to leave. Quitting is the easiest available option to you, right? Because it's very easy to say, uh, I'm out of here. This is not for me. It's very difficult to decide to stay, right? People think it's the opposite. People think, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, you're scared to quit. It's like, no, quitting, quitting is easy. Staying is difficult. It's the opposite from my point of view, Right? Doing the difficult things that you don't want to do, but you know they're good for you, that's that's tough, right? Sometimes quitting when things get hard, that's that's super easy. Everyone loves to quit when things are hard. That's sometimes what separates the greats. When you look at some of the great chefs in the world or some of the great people in the world, they had it hard. They went through those harder things. A lot of people have opinions on things but have no skin in the game. The people who put everything on the line, the restaurant owner, the head chef, it's difficult to be in those positions but it also takes a lot from you. And when I look back through the course of my career and I think of all the Christmases that I missed or birthdays, holidays, weddings, whatever the case may be, and I look at all the successes that I had and I have to ask myself a very difficult question and that is, would I trade Christmas at home for that award? Would I give that award back to have spent one more Christmas at home, right? And in retrospect, the answer is yes, of course, right? When, you, when you're able to step back, I look at it, it's like, yeah, I would give back any success that I've had in the kitchen to have had more time, you know, and it's a balance, right? So obviously, uh, I know what I signed up for, but it's, it's tough. It's a very tough industry. This was, this was a big rant, right? I didn't really offer any solutions because I'm, I'm not sure if I've fully thought this through. This was really fresh on my mind and it's something that's, kind of been playing out. I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I do know that we need to do better as an industry, as a group of chefs, and we need to do better with two things specifically. We need to do better at explaining what the reality is, what the compromise is in the kitchen. 
because a lot of restaurants, as much as, as much as people want to change what restaurants are, you still have a bottom line that you need to meet, right? You still have, you still have to open for service. You still have to serve food. You still have to make food costs. You still have to make labor costs and you're running on a very small margin. The recipe for chaos is still there. You're still working in a pressure cooker environment. The restaurant still wants to be busy and we got to walk the razor's edge of the amount of staff that we need and the amount of menu items that we need and how much prep there is and how much do we want to push and all these things create a stressful environment. And then you have a person at the top who is barely making margin if they're making anything, which they're stressed and they're passing that stress down to the rest of their team. We have to be more transparent about what the industry is to people that are new to the industry or thinking of going into the industry. We glamorize it a lot and there's a lot of really amazing things about this industry, but there's also some really difficult things that can be like a shock to the system if you don't know what to expect. We need to do better with that. The other thing we need to do better with is we need to take care of our chefs because there comes a point when they no longer can be successful due to the physicality of it. How do we take care of our chefs so that they don't all wind up working in the retirement home, feeding the elderly? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you understand the analogy. I don't know which other way to put it, right? There has to be an exit plan for, for chefs so that they could go and be successful once they feel accomplished in their career and they're ready to walk away. They need to have options, right? Very, very difficult conversations, and I haven't fully flushed out the idea, but in a perfect world, like, again, I'm king for the day. This is what I would do for chefs and, and people that are listening. If you're in a, in a position where you could do this, this is what chefs need to do, is we need to be like NASCAR drivers, right? Like, we need to be sponsored by clothing companies. We need to be sponsored by food brands, farmers that we work with equipment that we purchase, you know, it should be, you know, chef's PSA podcast by PolyScience or Maiden or, you know, Crystal or whoever the case may be, right? Because chefs need to be able to make more income and they're, they're a brand. Chefs are a brand now, right? The way that everything's moving towards social media and branding, chefs are also a brand. And, and if I'm a chef, I should be able to go to a, go to an employer and say, Hey, you, you're going to pay me X amount of dollars, but these are my sponsors that to supplement for my, my salary, because clearly, you know, I want to make more money. Every, every chef wants, everyone wants to make more money if they can. Right. Anyway, I don't know why I'm ranting on all this. I don't have any solutions. It's just a rant today. So I hope if anything, that this rant has just piqued your curiosity and got your wheels turning and maybe you'll find the solution. Maybe you're listening to this and it'll spark a great idea for you. And maybe you'll be able to help those young chefs that are coming into the industry and be more honest with them of what some of the challenges are in this industry. I talked about this in another podcast to, you know, maybe say no to the Friday night drinks sometimes, you know, go home and get some sleep, take care of your body, take care of your physical, take care of your mental, emotional well-being. All that's important. Meditate, read books, have other hobbies other than cooking so you could not be all consumed in this. Anyway, rant over for the day. If you want to continue to support the show, please give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening. So Apple, Spotify, whatever the case may be, five stars really helps the show. There's a donate button if you're listening on Spotify, how you could support the show. Buying all the books not only helps with the Chef's PSA podcast, but 
they're designed to also help you and the people in your kitchen. So culinary leadership fundamentals is really, you know, the management book. Um, how not to be the biggest idiot in the kitchen is the good habits in the kitchen book, right? You know, the, the unwritten rules, so to speak. We have merch. You can get it at the uh, chefspsa.com. You could also find the links in all my social channels. It'll take you to the store, the Chef's PSA store. I just released a new shirt and it's, you know, a bowl of noodles and it says, ask me about my Alfredo. And that's a callback to one of my Chef's PSAs where I say, uh, when someone asks you your specialty, tell, tell them chicken Alfredo um, because normal people love chicken Alfredo and it's a win-win. They'll leave you alone and they'll be impressed that you said chicken Alfredo. So anyway, Chef's PSA. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next week. Hit the porno music. <laughs>